Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just joining with us, we're in the middle of a message series entitled, It's Not You, It's Me. And, uh, you know, there, we showed last week a famous slide from the Seinfeld series, It's Not You, It's Me. And uh, many of you might say, well, Terry, what are you talking about? Well, did, you might not know that actually uh, many, 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 many years ago, um, Jesus Christ, he actually gave a sermon. Uh, and that was the most exciting thing because Jesus actually sat before a group of individuals. And last week we unpacked this a little bit. And he spoke directly to a crowd that basically said, this, if you truly want to know what it means to be Christ-like, if you truly want to know what it means to be doing the right things as a Christian, then I'm going to tell you these eight things, these eight things that are going to define what it means to have a growing relationship with me. And if you really step back, those eight things, which we call in Christianity the Beatitudes, those eight things are really split up into two sections. There's four and there's four. And the first four Um, is speaking directly to us, but it's really challenging us to remember it's really not us, it's him. It's not you, it's me from Jesus' perspective. And if you're just joining us this week, let me catch you up to speed. We started last week with the first beatitude. And the first beatitude said this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And last week we unpacked and we said um, what Jesus was talking about, God blesses the poor, is not necessarily poor from a monetary standpoint, a wealth standpoint, but in other words, a poor in spirit. That if you recognize who you are, and I said this last week, um, God, you're God and I'm not. I'm sinful. You're God and you're perfect. My sin falls short. I need a savior. And so it's a recognition that in all of us, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we are all poor in spirit, that we have a need and that need. And it says, if you realize your need for him, it says the kingdom of heaven is yours. That if you recognize, have self-awareness, this is who I am. And every day we get up in the morning, we say, God, you're God and I'm not. Could you imagine if our lives were different? If you're a Christian in this room, if you woke up every single morning, you started your day by saying, God, you are God and I'm not. And all of a sudden, the trivial things of life the things that have you stressed, the things that are trivial in nature, not really important. Maybe, just maybe, you can put those in perspective. And as you're talking to God, you say, God, why am I stressing about this? God, why am I worried about this? You're God. I'm not. I need to trust in you because the kingdom of heaven will be mine. And so that was the first of the Beatitudes. And it leads us today to unpack the second Beatitude. And if you're new, don't worry. I'm going to kind of catch you up as to what Jesus was talking about. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. If you have the Version Bible app, you'll also get the notes provided for you. You won't even have to write them down. Um, but I want to encourage you to take notes today because there's definitely a few things I want you to remember. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. This is Jesus Christ from his own words speaking directly to us. Here we go. He says this, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now we're going to break this apart just very quickly. B 
Because many of us, when we look at that, we might think we know exactly what Jesus is saying. But I promise you, there's a lot deeper meaning. The first thing you see is God blesses. And if you were here last week, what that means is it's a state of happiness. The Beatitudes, a state of happiness. It means to be blessed, a state of happiness. So when he says God blesses in this first verse, in in the fourth verse of chapter 5, God blesses. It means for you and I, it says, Jesus talking to Terry. Terry, if you want to live your life in a state of happiness, meaning, If you want to live your life knowing you are living the way that I called you to live, in other words, that you want to know, like we want our dads and our moms to be proud of us at times here on earth. If you want to know what it means to make your heavenly father proud, then you need to live your life with these eight things. If you live your life this way, you know you will be in a state of blessedness, a state of happiness. That word means this, makarios. It's in the original language, a state of of happiness. So it's not a matter of, hey, if you just do this action, then you'll get this. No, no, no. It means a lifestyle. It means a heart choice. If you live this way, this state, you will have this. Let me illustrate this a way that we might understand it. Something has kind of swept over our country in the last couple of years. If you're an extreme techie, you've kind of been getting this way sooner than a lot of us. Um, But the smart home world has taken our nation by storm. Um, How many of you are afraid to say the word Alexa now in your house? Because someone's always listening. If you don't know anything about this, you can turn your lights on by saying, Alexa, turn your lights on. You can open your garage door. You can set the temperature of your house. You could tell Alexa to turn off your fire alarm. There's a lot of things that are going on that now is voice activated. If you grew up watching the Jetsons, you never thought in a million years you'd get there. But yes, you can even turn your vacuum on by telling Alexa to do so. It's true. In fact, there's a software company, and it's entitled If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T. You can Google it. You can take a look. And there are thousands of created, and they call them applets, And these applets help the smart homes do specific things in your phone. You can Google it. There's a lot of different examples. And basically the software is built on if this state happens, then the software will do this. That if you're in a state of this, then that. If this, then that. I-F-T-T-T. That's what it's called right here. If this, then that. Now, I'm going to show you some real life applets that actually do exist in the world today. If you're a mom of a real little one, you might want to take advantage of this applet. And let me set it up before they go there. You know, moms, you get tired and you've got the baby monitor and you finally can get that nap when hopefully your child goes down for a nap. But how many of your moms are afraid, you know, I don't want to sleep through. You know, if they need me or if they're screaming, I'm a heavy sleeper and I'm worried that the alarm or the baby monitor won't be enough for me, then you might need this applet. And here's what it says. If the baby starts crying, then call me. Yes, You can download this app, connect it to your baby monitor, and if the baby monitor hears your baby crying, it will call your phone to wake you up. Now, moms, don't go to Target and leave your baby at home. They'll be okay. They'll just call me. No, no, you got to stay at home. Okay, I know you, you, you laugh, but some of your moms are like, finally, a little bit of a break. No. Now, I love a good Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. I love it, love it, love it, love it. But I'm a Diet Coke connoisseur. There's a specific date that is important for a Diet Coke. I can tell when a Diet Coke is spoiled. True story. I can tell. You give me a spoiled Diet Coke, I will look at you, squint my eyes, and look at the bottom of the can, and I promise you it will be spoiled. But there is a perfect temperature for a Diet Coke. And did you know there is an applet 
to help your Diet Cokes be at the right temperature. True story. Your refrigerator will alert you when your Diet Coke is the right temperature. Here's the applet here. Send me a notification when my drinks are the perfect temperature. All of my Diet Cokes at the perfect temperature can be an applet. Why did a lot of the guys start all of a sudden downloading that applet? I have no idea. There's another applet that I actually have at my house because I'm constantly forgetting to close the garage door at night. I have a 10-year-old, the garage door is open, toys are scattered everywhere, and I will go to bed and sometimes the door will be left wide open. So you can download this applet. Be sure that your garage is closed every night at 10.30. At 10.30, it will connect with your garage door opener and will shut your door automatically. Absolutely. There's another one. How many of you parents of teenagers... Right after I say this, we'll begin downloading this applet. Here it is right here. Get a text if Automatic Pro, which is something you plug into your car, detects that someone's driving your car away in the middle of the night. How many grandparents in here wish they had that when they were a little younger? Then how many of you in here, you end up walking down the hall and there's the pastor who likes to talk. And you got five minutes to get where you want to get. And you don't want to end up talking to the pastor because he's going to be long-winded and he's going to talk your ear off. And so some of you will download this applet. Text IFTT to fake a phone call. You can literally, when you see me coming from a minute away, you can text the applet, call me now. Hey, Pastor Carol. Oh, excuse me, I got to get this call. Don't try that. I already know that it works. There's one last applet that Moses and God, when Moses was on the mountain, if you know Christianity, Moses and God, when God passed by, they talked about this applet. I promise you it happened. It is somewhere in the subtitles of the Ten Commandments on the tablet. This is what they wrote. And I believe that you need to hear from God and all of you should download this applet. Mute your phone at church. True story. When you come to the church, you can set the parameters. And when you walk into the church, it will automatically mute your phone. So that way it will not ring when Pastor Terry is sharing such good knowledge to you. So go ahead. I'm going to give you five minutes. Download that applet. I'll wait. No. But those applets are real. If you're in a state of this, then this will happen. And what Jesus is basically saying is if you're in a state of this, then this will will happen. And so let's unpack this beatitude. He says, God blesses a state of happiness. You'll be a state of happiness. And the way you get there is for those who mourn. Now, what is Jesus meaning when he says mourn? I just got done, had the privilege of celebrating a life yesterday at a memorial service. And there was a lot of mourning going on in the room. And when we think of the word mourn, we actually think of when a life change or a death happens. And mourning is different than sadness, isn't it? Mourning is uncontrollably overwhelming sadness. It's heartfelt sadness. And what Jesus is saying is, and and with all due respect, for a lot of us in this room who have lost loved ones, Jesus is not talking about that type of mourning. He's actually talking about a mourning that happens if we understand as Christian what our number one responsibility in life is for. And so let me remind, I say this from time to time, if you are a Christian in this room, and if I were to stand before you and to say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're in the balcony watching online or here in the audience, if you are sitting there and if you were asked what's your number one priority, what would your answer be? Your answer should be to glorify Jesus Christ in my life. And glorifying is a churchy word, but here's what glorifying means. It means that I want to live my life the way that he would want me to live it, 
so that I can every day help to point people to know who he is, how amazing he is, how awesome he is, because as a believer in Christ, it's not my life, it's his. So nothing else is in comparison to that main responsibility, which is I'm going to live my life so that I can glorify who God is. Now, we have a lot of responsibilities in our life and a lot of us have preferences in our life, but at the end of the day, that's what's most important. And what Jesus was saying is God blesses, you'll be in a state of happiness if you mourn. And here's what it means. Because if you're not living your life the way that God would call you to live, if you're not living in such a matter to where you're glorifying every day, glorifying God with your actions, with your speak, with who you are, then what Jesus says is then you should be in a state of mourning. Let me illustrate this another way. The church is notorious for the grapevine. And the grapevine is notorious from gossip. And there are many individuals, because you go to church every single week, that you walk down the hallway and you share gossip And because you're a church or because you're a Christian, you say, well, that's not a big deal. It's a small sin. It's not a big deal, not a big deal. No, what Jesus is saying to you and me today is, Terry, it's a sin. And when you gossip, when you do something that doesn't glorify me, then what you should be in a state of is a state of mourning. Your heart should break. You should be overwhelmed as if you had a death in the family because you know I'm not living my life the way that God would call me to live. And what Jesus is wanting to say is, if you are not in a state of mourning when you start sinning, then you've got to take accountability and self-awareness to your actions. Let me, for taking notes, you don't mourn when you accept gossip. You don't mourn when you judge. And I love that because who's the only one, if you don't know the Bible, who's the only individual that can judge someone? God. And so when you judge, you usurp the power of God. When you usurp the power of God, you tell God, you're not God, I'm God. And when you tell God, I'm God, that was confusing. When you tell God, I'm God, that's confusing. But when you assert the power of God, then you don't mourn. You don't mourn when you embrace white lies. There's truth, and how many of us dabble in about 90% truth? 90% truth is not the truth. And white lies are one of the biggest tools the enemy uses. You want to lose integrity, you want to lose character with your family and your friends, tell a lot of white lies. And you will lose a lot of respect and you won't even know it. You don't mourn when you avoid confrontation. There are many of you in here that kind of believe, well, if I become a Christian, then my life becomes easier. If I become a Christian, then everything will work out. No, 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 no. When you become a Christian, life gets messy. In fact, I say when you become a Christian, you sign up for confrontation. Because we are no longer living in a world where culture says what the Bible says is true. And so if you're going to be a believer in Christ, if you're going to say in one stance, the Bible is truth, the Bible is what Jesus says, the Bible is the way I should live my life, then you better believe at some point in your life you are going to have to confront. And what Jesus says in the second beatitude, you will be in a state of happiness that when sin happens, when you stand up and confront, in other words, when you stop hiding, when you stop white lies, when you stop gossip, You'll be in a state of happiness. But when you do that, you should mourn. Now, let me illustrate this another way. Here's the great thing. This is why I love the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. If you've never read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible because it's amazing. Because do you know that these first two Beatitudes, actually Jesus ties these together? 
You can't have one without the other. And I'm going to show you in just a second. In fact, I like to say that these two Beatitudes are two stages of spiritual blessing. In other words, if if you don't get the rest of the Beatitudes, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, look, if you get these two, and if you can hold on to these two and understand the principles associated with these two that I'm about to tell you, you will have an amazing life. Just these two. So let me point you back. In fact, do you have the last one? Did you already go past it, Max? I'm sorry. Yeah, here's the last week's. It says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Let me recap. Poor in spirit. It means you realize. It means self-awareness. In other words, as a Christian, if you have self-awareness, God, I am not doing what you want me to do. If you have that gift, if you realize then, God, I'm not doing what you want me to do, which means that I need you more and more. Jesus says you're on the right track. So what I like to say is the stages of spiritual blessing. Here's the first one. First stage of spiritual blessing. Poor in spirit, self-awareness, recognizing and remembering who you are and who God is. So if we had to recap the first two, here's Jesus. Look, if you just have self-awareness as to who you are and who I am, if you could just have that, you will reach the first stage of spiritual blessing. But then he goes further, and here's the second stage. Second stage is experiencing the state of mourning. Because if you realize who you are and you realize who God is, guess what? There's no one perfect in this room, which means we will every day mourn. God, I should not have said that. God, I shouldn't have given that dirty look. God, I just said, oh, everything's great. You're wonderful when I really hate that guy's guts. I shouldn't have done that. God, help me to figure out how I can navigate life I'm not saying, folks, I'm not saying it's easy. But what I am saying is if you just ignore it and you just pretend, well, everybody does it, so it's okay. No. Then you are not receiving the stages of spiritual blessing. If you're taking notes, confession is one thing, but contrition is another. How many Christians say, oh, God, sorry. How many friends did you hear say, oh, you know what? I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's confession. Oh, this is wrong, but I can do it. That's confession. I'm just going to confess with my mouth. Uh, What I'm doing is wrong. I know it's not right. I know I shouldn't do this, but it's confession. But that's not contrition. Do you know what contrition is? This is not contrition. Contrition is not this. Sorry. Fine. Sorry. How many of you husbands and wives get into an argument and at the end when you realize she's got me, I shouldn't have done that. Fine, sorry. That's not contrition. Contrition is not sorry, but you know, your mother is this. You shouldn't laugh too loud, guys. You got to be careful in here. Sorry, but is not contrition. And one of the worst ones and the dangerous ones, if you are guilty of this, you have to really take notice because you do not understand the second stage of spiritual blessing. If you are one that says, fine, sorry. If you're apathetic, If you walk around and you throw away, sorry, sorry. Oh, fine. No, okay, I'm sorry. If you're one that does that, danger, danger. You're not realizing what you're doing. Let me tell you what contrition is. Contrition is this. How can I make things right? God, I just gossip. God, right now, I I just, I'm sorry. How can I make things right? right? What do I need to do to fix this? 
Honey, I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Contrition is, will you forgive me? And we talked a lot about that last week. Here's one that I can't take credit for. There's a friend of mine who goes to our church who poured this into me, and I've used it now probably 15 times, and I can't tell you how powerful a question it is. Contrition is, what's one thing that I can do right now to make things better? I know I can't save the world, but what's one thing? Honey, right now you're angry at me. What's one thing that I can do to help make this better? God, right now I am stuck. I am sinning. Tell me one thing that I can do to help me move closer to you. What's one thing, God? I need one thing today. And here's what contrition is, number four. What can I do in the future that will help me to not fall into the same pattern or situation? God, what's one thing that I can do in the future to help me to not fall into this. Husbands, honey, what's one thing that I can do differently to help us not fall into the same situation? Wives, what's one thing that I can do to be able to make sure we don't fall into the same situation? You want to know what contrition is? It's understanding the state of where you're at, understanding how difficult it is, and then saying, I don't want to be there, Lord. I don't want to mourn. How many of you want to be in a state of mourning for the rest of your life? None of us do. And so Jesus doesn't want us to mourn every day. He wants us to mourn in the moment and then say, God, what can I do to write it so that I can move forward and be in a state of happiness? I love Jesus. And let me tell you why. Every um, trip that I take to Israel, and if you've gone with us, you remember this. We travel from the Sea of Galilee in through the desert valley areas and the road that takes you into Jerusalem takes you through uh, some steep valleys and they're all desert, rocky, and you, you pass civilizations and Bedouin villages and it's just all desert. And as you drive up, you drive up the mountain and you're driving up the Kidron Valley where Jesus was dragged across to go to Caiaphas' house. And as you go over this valley, you oversee the Temple Mount. You oversee the city of Jerusalem. It's one of the most magnificent sights you'll ever see. And one of the things that we share and that we talk about is, is this is where Jesus wept. This is where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. And this is what I love about Jesus is, is whatever Jesus has in his word, Jesus is speaking and saying a state of mourning. He actually exemplified this. And let me show you where Jesus showed what a state of mourning looks like. Here, this comes from Luke 19, 41 to 42. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep, a state of mourning. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Oh, church, how I wish that you'd understand who you are and who I am and what state you're in. I wish you would. Jesus wept for us. What an example for us that we should weep when we know we're not doing what Christ calls us to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I've said this about four times this week. God gave this to me and I want you to write it down because I think there is a danger when it comes to grace. Yes, I said that. So write this down. There is an inherent danger in grace when we make too much of it. We might make too light of sin. There is an inherent danger in grace. When we make too much of it, we might make too light of sin. 
Last week, if you were here, we said that the law sends us to Jesus, that God's word is perfect. And all of a sudden we realize we're not perfect and we make sin and we make sinful actions. So we have to go to Jesus to say, Jesus, forgive me. You died on the cross, cover my sin because this law is perfect and I can't be perfect. So Jesus paved the way and he gave us grace and he forgave us. But then what did Jesus say? Okay, I covered you. Live your life the way you want to live. That's not in the Bible. Instead, what did Jesus do? We come to Jesus and say, God, forgive me. Stay to morning. And he says, go and do what? Sin no more. There is a danger in grace in Christianity. There are many of us in this room who have sinned and say, well, thank God for Jesus. Well, thank God I'm a Christian. Well, you know I'm not perfect. That's why I have Jesus. If you say those things, there's an inherent danger to grace for your life. You are taking too light of sin. Jesus never meant for us to say, thank God for Jesus. I can do whatever I want. No, he meant for us to be self-aware enough to know, God, I shouldn't gossip. I shouldn't look at that. I shouldn't do that. And we should go right back to the law that says, do not gossip. There's an inherent danger to grace. There is a, a missionary that years ago I quoted in a different message in a different quote He has a famous diary that he kept of his journey. And this missionary, his sole desire was to be in communion with God. And what I mean by that is, it's a big churchy word for, if you're not a Christian, let me explain it a little bit better. This is a person who loved God with all of his heart. And in the Bible, it actually says, and pray without ceasing. And so he wanted to see if he could actually have such a heart for God that he could be in communication with God every moment of a day. He thought maybe that's possible. So he began and every day he journaled his, his outcome and he finally got to a place where he understood what it meant to commune with God every minute of every day. And I remember quoting that years ago. Well, this same missionary, as I was doing research for this message, the same missionary had something to say about grace and about what it means to be in mourning. And so I want to show you a, 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 his diary note. And this comes from October 18th, 1740. It says, In my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness. Tears like this are the holy water which God has said to store in his bottle. Tears like this are like holy water that God stores. If you truly mourn, your tears are like holy water to God. Now, Everyone feels really great about themselves now, right? Here's the great thing about Jesus. I just read you the first part of that beatitude. Spent a lot of time talking about it, didn't we? I love Jesus because there's a promise at the end of this beatitude. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. And again, I love the Bible because what does it mean when Jesus says he will comfort you? Well, Jesus actually exemplifies this. He actually reads about it. He actually speaks about it later. He actually one day walked up to the temple and there was a prophecy. And it spoke about a a Messiah who would come and would heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted are those who mourn. That there would be a Savior who would come and everyone who lived their life the way that God called them to, that there would be a Messiah who would come to fight their fights, to be their strength, and to heal the brokenhearted. And so Jesus walked into the temple and they all talk about this Messiah coming one day. He walks into the temple and he reads the prophecy by the prophet Isaiah. 
And in the end of it, he actually says, this has been fulfilled today. So take a look at the prophecy that was spoken of. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor of spirit. He hath sent me to heal those who mourn. If you could grasp the two beatitudes, self-awareness, brokenhearted, poor in spirit, understanding that that's the place you want to be. And if you do that, then Jesus shows up and he heals the brokenhearted. I close with this. There's a scripture I want to show you and then there is an IFTTT that I want to show you. And this is a promise from Revelation. And I want you to see this promise from Revelation chapter 7, 17. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. If you think God's a big God with a magnifying glass who's mad at you and wants to burn you at every moment, no, he's an amazing, loving father that when you are self-aware and when you understand who he is and who you are and when you're in a state of mourning for doing the wrong thing, he promises to come and to wipe every tear from your eyes. Action steps. Why should the world have if this and then that? I believe Jesus was the author of it. So here are your beatitudes, if this, then that, for every Christian. If you evaluate your behavior, then you will take accountability for your actions. Some of you need this applet. If you evaluate your behavior, then you will take accountability for your actions. That's an applet that every single Christian and every single person who maybe isn't even a Christian in this room needs in their life. And here's the second one. If you enter a state of mourning, you will be comforted. When you're about to have to confront, if you can remember, if I confront and stand for what God calls me to stand for, it'll hurt, but it'll hurt more if I don't do what God wants me to do because he will comfort me. The first two Beatitudes, it's not you. It's God. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for everyone in this room. And God, right now, I, um, I just ask, Father, for your wisdom. God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, God, that I pray for a self-awareness of heart. God, one of the greatest, one of the greatest um, problems in Christianity is we don't recognize our own state. So God, I pray for every family, for every father, for every mother, for every single adult, for every student. I pray, God, that they would understand who they are. And I pray, God, that they would understand who you are in them. In an attitude of prayer right now with eyes closed and heads bowed, in in just a moment, there's going to be a song that's going to be played. And I want to encourage everyone, whether you're watching online or you're on the balcony or on the floor, again, in an attitude of prayer, while this song is being played, I want you to take account for where you're at in your life. If you struggle in anger, if you struggle in gossip, if you struggle in the truth, whatever it is, let this be the moment that you have a conversation with God. Let this be the moment where you say, God, forgive me. Let this be the moment to say, God, what's one thing that I can do moving forward to help me to not sin? What's one thing that I can do to understand where I'm at in the moment so I don't flippantly take grace for granted? 
So God, right now, I just turn this moment over to you. And I ask that you would speak while this song is played. And I ask that lives would be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.